Hey, this is Mike Tyson, and you're listening to Front Office Sports Today. We have a truly unique interview with a figure whose persona and cultural relevance started with sports, but has very much expanded beyond that. It's Tuesday, March 21st. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Recently, I had a conversation with former heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson. He has a lot going on right now, he's still as active as ever, and one of his main projects is his cannabis brand, Tyson 2.0. Speaking with him, I think it's safe to say that Mike Tyson the person is also Tyson 2.0, which is to say he has changed quite a lot over the years, and he does speak to that in our conversation. I also spoke to the co-founder of his company, Chad Bronstein, about working with Mike and how he can trace the mainstreaming of cannabis through athletes. You're going to hear that conversation first, and that will set the table for an interview unlike any that I have done for this show or for anything else. To start, here's my conversation with Chad. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, you having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just start real basic. Uh, Tyson 2.0 is a cannabis brand with a do with Mike Tyson. But what, what should we know about it? What's what's different about this company? Yeah, I think it's different about this company is, you know, Mike, when we started this, you know, it's Mike's been very passionate about the cannabis industry for quite some time. He's been very vocal about how cannabis and psychedelics has uh, really helped his life. And I think when we started this, it was really based off of, you know, his passion for the industry. And I and myself and Adam and Aristotle, we all are in the industry. So I think bringing everybody's um, experience together and then really uh, focusing on, you know, what matters to him and what helps him and then building the brand around that is really how we differentiated um, our product suites and really became successful um, in this industry. And you, you alluded to this earlier, but give us the the actual origin story here. So how did you meet Mike Tyson? How did you two decide to, to join up and, and make this a thing? Yeah, so I met Mike um, when I was, I was uh, I'm CEO of Philo. I met Mike and I met his brother-in-law actually through someone at uh, Philo, called, his name is Azim. Um, and they had another company in the cannabis space. Um, and we that we just started talking and we said, how can we do this? How can Mike build a cannabis company in, uh, in the United States and the world and become a global become a global brand? And so I got to know Mike, his wife, and Azim, um, and then some of you know their old partners. And we uh, you know we went to Columbia Care actually at the beginning, you know, before we started the brand because Philo works with all the brands. And so we started to call up, um, you know, we realized that in order for it to be successful, it had to be a national brand. And the problem with ca- in the cannabis industry was a lot of the um, celebrity brands or the brands, they were big in California, but they never made it outside of California because you have all the state by state limitations. You can't, you can't bring marijuana across state lines. So we partnered with um, Columbia Care and I called up Jesse Shannon and I said, hey, um, can we get on a phone and talk about Mike Tyson, about building a brand Mike Tyson? So Mike, Myself, Azim, Kiki got on the phone um, with my with Columbia Care, and they loved it, right? And so through that, I um, at Philo, there's a CEO, our CEO Adam Wilkes Tyson was my client at Philo. He was the CEO of One Plant in California. I said, "Hey, we're going to start this brand. We'd love to have your expertise come on over." So it was, you know, Aristotle who um, worked with me at Philo. He's a, you know not in the public eye, but is the back end. So it putting together that cohesive unit. Um, and we have a very good relationship with the Tysons as well as the, our team. We created 
now called Karma Holdings. So Tyson 2.0 um, is one of the brands. We just we launched Ric Flair, Ric Flair Drip, which has now become a very successful brand. We're now in 30 states. Um, we've launched two viral products, Mike Bites, as well as Holy Ears for the holidays. Um, and we play both in the canvas space, but also we're in the, um, the other side of it with the hemp, Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD. We're in a lot of C stores across the United States as well as smoke shops. So, um, you know, I feel like, you know, it's been a, been a really, that's the origin story. And here we are today. And that's, you know, that's how we got here. And Tyson and Ric Flair are, are both interesting names to attach here just because they're they're famous for stuff they did decades ago, but people still know who they are. You, know, you could walk down the street and, and I could say, hey, do you know who Mike Tyson is? And I, I think he has better name recognition than almost any other athlete. Um, so what has it been like to build a brand around a figure who I think a lot of people know who he is, even if they weren't, weren't born when he was doing the stuff that made him famous? There's a lot of people that um, have been famous at a certain time in their life. Mike and Rick. A nine-year-old can know who they are, and a ninety-year-old can know who they are because they—they were—they—they they were so powerful in what they've done and their and who they were as uh, athletes that people emulate them. And when they emulate them, then the conversation continues to talk about, "Hey, Mike Tyson did this. We learned this from Mike Tyson. Ric Flair set the tone for our culture. He was the first person that said, you know, talking about Rolex wearing all these different things, right? So." their kind of uh, swagger and brand goes from time from era to era. And that's why they're so special. All right, Chad Bronstein, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Up next, we have my conversation with boxing legend, movie star, and all around unique individual, Mike Tyson. You'll hear that right after this. 2000, 2008, 2022. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. All right, I am joined now by the one and only Mike Tyson. Welcome, Mike. Hey, brother. How you doing? Doing great. Great to have you on. So I'm just curious, what's a day in the life of Mike Tyson these days? What what are you up to? It depends on the situation. It depends if I have time, if I'm working. Um, Let's go through this instance. I may wake up in the morning. First, I wake up in the morning. I work out. I might do 400 reps on the rower. I might do my um, two-hour walk on the treadmill. Then I do my my twist. And then after that, I eat my breakfast. And then after that, I take a whole bunch of calls like this um, for cannabis, for acting, 
for signing, for picture taking, for um, college invitations. And it's just a constant, um, it's a constant flow of work. So I just spoke with the uh, the co-founder of your cannabis brand, Tyson 2.0. Uh, what is what has cannabis meant to you for your life? Hey, listen, I never smoked but one time during my boxing career. And I said, wow, I wish I, I did this at the beginning. I was so upset that I didn't win the Olympic trials and I blamed it on the, the, um, the use of cannabis. At least people made me believe that because of cannabis I lost. And so I didn't smoke cannabis for 14 years, 13 years. And I started smoking. I went to a, I don't know, what do you call it, a ceremony for Tupac? And I started smoking again. He always wanted to smoke with me, but I wouldn't smoke with him because I was, I was against smoking while I was fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And but now it's a big part of your life. Absolutely. Wish yeah. I would do. I wish I did it when I was fighting. Yeah. And what do you like to do when when you're high? Do you, you listen to music? Hang out with friends or whatever? I listen you got? to music from the '90s, or I may start going into my history channel of Rome conquering the world, or else the the Celts or something. Uh, the Normans conquering Rome, or the Germans conquering Rome, and then it's the era of the Germans now. So that comes all the kings, the royal kings of England and Germany and all that stuff. And then they give their offseed to the world. And um, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. You think I do, I do research in some guy, maybe some black people from the Russian Revolution, from um, the Tsar area. And then I, I, um, I do some research on them, and then you find them. They're Jewish now, and, they name, and they, they're fences. They're great fences, and I follow their family. They've been in all the Olympics, 1948 Olympics, the, um, 1952, all the Olympics they've been in. And they came all the way from um, the 1700s in Russia, during um, the, um, the first revolution in Russia, when it came down to the, the czars and all that stuff, not 1918. But I'm talking about Tsar Nicholas the, the first and all that stuff. Yeah, like 1850s, 1700s. And then you could document their family and you could find them today. Well, that's the stuff I do. I don't know if anybody else does. So one thing I, I'm curious about is did, you know, getting the chance to talk to you. You're someone who your fighting career, I mean, you, you did some exhibitions, you know, during COVID. Uh, but, you know, the, the stuff that made you the, the guy that everyone knows uh, all happened two, three decades ago. And yet, if you, I bet you can walk down any street in the U.S. and people would say, there's Mike Tyson. So what is it like to still have that recognition? And, you know, is it fun? Does it get exhausting? Is it everything? This is interesting that you said that because um, there's a whole generation of kids and people that don't know me as the champ. They think I'm an actor. They have no idea that I did this... 20-year career boxing, and I looked this way not because I was born this way, because I was punched in the face a lot. And um, that's pretty interesting. I went to a school in Phoenix once, and when I went into the classroom, it was a big television, and I had to record, um, a tape recorder because they were showing these ninth graders, 10th graders, who I was as a fighter. They thought I was just um, an actor. Yeah, it's interesting. When you go to these, these colleges, these schools, what do you talk about? Hey, I talk about me. And then I, then I talk about something they don't know about themselves and their own history. Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you mean by that? Well, most countries I may go to, I may have to tell them the history of their country. They may not know. How are we going to know where we're going if you don't know where we came from? So what are you, uh, what are you working on these days? Obviously, you got your, your brand, all this stuff. But what, what really gets you excited? 
Um, yes, um, the development of my children, my younger children, the ones that are in college, the ones that are um, on off school training, the younger one, 14 and 12. And um, I want to do for them what I was unable to do for my other kids when I was younger because I didn't have the desire to be a parent when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, and is, is that just being there for them or is there anything and more specific than that? Being there for them is committing yourself to be involved with everything they get, they participate in. Their happiness is my happiness. What do you think about the, the boxing world these days? I think it's beautiful. It's just that the best fighters have to fight each other. Other than that, it's great. That's why they don't make as much money as they want, because they're not fighting the best fighters. And they're not fighting often enough. You can't fight twice every year. You can't fight once every two years or something like that. You just can't do that. Um, and yeah, they're, they're making incredible amounts of money on, on single fights if you're you know the most famous fighters. They're not making any money unless you're a certain fighter. Out of the whole fight world, only probably four people are making money. I don't even think that. They're making over $10 million a fight, $5 million every time they fight. It's a handful of people that, that making a lot of money in boxing. Yeah, and if you're a fighter, you know, like 10 through 1,000, where you're not making a whole lot of money, um, do, do you think it's still a worthwhile lifestyle? Absolutely, because it has nothing to do with your life. Well, it does, but it has to do with your determination, how bad you want it, how bad you're willing to stay at the bottom until you rise to the top. There's so much more to do than just what, what, what um, station that you have, because you can change your station and fight in any place in life if you have the willpower and the, and the desire. Sounds like that's a lesson you've taken with you, you know, beyond the ring to, to everything else you're doing. Yeah, I believe this. And um, if I may be permitted to say without being um, ragbosis or egotistical, I'm the kind of guy, this is Mike Tyson. You take Mike Tyson and drop me anywhere. Iran, Baghdad, um, China, I don't know, to the end of the world. Um, Tristan Dacuna, you drop me off there and see me rise to the top. And see what happened. I'm one of those guys that got to have my back against the wall. I hate my back against the wall, but that's when I'm at my best. But I hate that position. I'm not happy with that position. But that's when I'm more successful. That's when I'm more at my at my my at my, my 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 pinnacle when my back's against the wall. Do you find you have to have a balance in your life of you know being able to relax, you know, enjoying your your stature, your wealth? Um, but then putting yourselves in that, putting yourself in that situation sometimes of having your back to the wall so you can bring that out in you. I don't like that feeling, but it's needed for me to be at my best. Is it important for you to feel that sometimes or would you be happy to just relax and just enjoy your life for the, you know, for your days? When you have to be in that mode, you know it. And you know, it's, um, you have to give and take. You're playing for keeps right now. Yeah. And just to, to wrap us up, is there anything that, you know, you'd like to use our platform? Any message you have for our listeners? I just want them to know that um, you can never be down if you want to be up more than the world wants you to be down. Being successful in the way that we believe success is, money, respect, and all that stuff, you have to know that lifestyle is worth dying for. You know, if you want to go that deep about it, a lifestyle like mine is worth dying for for a guy that came from where I came from. Uh, so you, you also have a podcast, Hot Boxing. Yeah. Um, how's that been to, you know, keep your voice out in the world through that? Hey, listen, you know, um, I'm not trying to keep my voice out in the world. I'm not that kind of guy, really. But um, we got involved with this show. 
and it's and it's doing um incredibly well and and um I don't know. I don't think I'm the person on that show. I'm not no whiz kid. I'm not no genius. I'm not no guru or anything like that. I'm just um, speaking my life, my experience. I'm not questioning God. I'm questioning my existence. You know, some people may think I'm saying some spiritually deep stuff that might ignore God. But no, I never question God in my life. I only question my existence. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Pleasure is mine, bro. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Would be very interested to hear your thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter at Owen Poindexter. Also, if anyone had Purdue losing in the first round or Princeton in the Sweet 16, send me a screenshot of your bracket. You might as well get some glory for that. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.